Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. All right, John, well, here we are headed in the summer, and you know it's finally happening. Yes. It is. Cruising. It's cruising is back. Kind of pseudo. I mean, it's yeah, not full. it's not full bore for sure. And <clears throat> unfortunately, the ports in Florida are not really starting back. <clears throat> I think there might be a couple that are getting ready to go out of Florida, but just yeah. kind of test cruises because of because Florida will not allow them to cruise and ask for vaccinations. Yes, right. But other ports are opening up. <clears throat> Well, we can't ask for vaccinations. Yeah, I, that, the whole vaccination thing is sticky because I mean I think some schools are requiring the students to have been, you know been vaccinated. So that sure. whole oh that's that's a well, mess. That's I mean, been going on for forty years. I mean, I, yeah, could, I when I went when yeah. I played sports in schools, I had yeah. to have polio vaccine yeah. or something. So that's I mean, true. That's it's true. Not a new thing. I mean, come on. Yeah, it should just like go right back into uh, the mainstream. I guess I don't know. It's but the cruises, that, that is positive. I mean, we're starting to see um, some things. I mean, the Green Jackets are completely open. Went to a Green Jackets game recently, 100%. There you, know, you go, capacity, man. So. Crowds back at golf. U.S. Open this week. Yeah. Hey, man. Tory yeah. Pines. Hey, heck yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? What? I, I knew there was a golf tournament. I just didn't know which, which one <laughs> it was. This is the U.S. Open. This is the big one or one of the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> Tory Pines can be super hard. Well, and That'll the, be fun. The stock market likes everything opening. <clears throat> yes. May yes. was another good month. I mean, you know. Absolutely. We've had four good months in a row now. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, and I think it's positive. It's because of earnings, actually. Yes. You yeah. know, when you look at earnings, earnings have been fantastic this past quarter. Some of the highest revisions they've ever had. Um, so, you know, earnings are, are looking up, and that that's positive for the stock market. So a lot of good things happening here. and. You know, speaking of good things, John, um, we have a couple of good topics to talk about here, don't we? We do. We do. The first one we're going to look at um, international markets. I mean, Steve, they're kind of a you know redheaded stepchild from an investing standpoint. A lot of people ignore international, and you know, there, there's reasons why folks like us and uh, the Dave Ramseys of the world recommend to have a small piece of your portfolio in international because you just look back at history and it has outperformed the U.S. about 50% of the time. Right. It just hasn't been recently. That's true. <laughs> so the U.S. is, and we'll, we'll dive into the details, but, um, you know, to be properly diversified, you want to have this in, in your portfolio. So we'll go through the details here in a minute. Yeah, it's something worth looking at again because it definitely is is looking like it might be the time to have a significant chunk of international. So, uh, and then we're going to follow that up with a topic about doing an emergency handoff. You know, are you prepared to do an emergency handoff if you needed to, to your, your spouse or to a relative or friend? Um, you know, you need to be in the situation where you can do that and somebody can be prepared to take over. Just like you if know? you fall out of a golf cart and bump your head or something. Hey, anything can happen, John. Yeah. You never know. I've you ridden with know. you in a golf cart before. Remember the time it was wet out there and you oh, slammed yeah. on brakes? You uh, didn't slam on brakes, but we did a little wheelie. Did, oh, did we do a wheelie we, that we time? Did, uh, yeah. Did, yeah, I've had so many incidents in golf carts, I can't even remember you know, <laughs> the one you're talking about. But, yeah, a lot of dangerous stuff yeah, in the world out there. can be. 
You got to be careful. Yeah. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. We are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. Also, a lot of tools out there. Get a lot of good feedback on that. Some uh, some articles about college majors. If you're listening and you have a, um, someone in uh, high school, go check that out. It kind of gives you some, some good details about what to expect from an earnings and the number of people um, that have grad degrees in that, uh, in that field as well. We also have a Facebook page, MoneyMD, so go, uh, go check that out. It's always pretty entertaining. Some of us are more entertaining than others, but uh, it's good information anyway. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Lots of information on our website. So do check that out. You can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we will talk about those here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah. So I stayed at a uh, hotel recently up in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, Steve, I was amazed at how many taxes there are at some of these places when you get into the cities it is amazing i mean it is not just the state tax it's not just the local tax there's a hospitality tax and there's a, a blah 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 tax. there were like six extra taxes on our bill and um you're right you know right. so it's deceiving. hotels hotels really get hit hard because they figure that's folks from out of, out of state so they can just free, oh, free rain on them like rent a rental car absolutely so here's the financial fact there, there are actually seven tax-friendly states that have favorable intact income taxes uh, but you got to be aware of the sales and the property taxes and south carolina is not one of these um, but uh, right. delaware alaska florida nevada tennessee texas and wyoming and um, those yeah. those have favorable income taxes but I can promise you they make up their their income needs in other ways, and there's a lot of other taxes that that they're putting yeah. on to people. Yeah, you got to look at the whole picture because yeah, they 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 can't operate for free. You know, the state has to have revenue, and so if they don't get it from income taxes, then you know you're likely going to see property taxes that are a lot higher. Um, I've heard of people in Texas, you know, depending on where you're at in Texas. They're paying like 2% of the value of their house every single year in property mm. taxes. That's a big number. You know, it's a big number. So you, you got to be, you got to be just look at the whole picture before you up and move somewhere. And um, I know we had a, I think we had a whole segment on this, um, you know, back a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, just something to be aware of. But yeah, there are some, you know, Texas and Florida are kind of the two really popular, yes. you know, states with no income tax. It's a great benefit, but you still got to look at the whole picture. That's right. It's a good fact of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is international markets benefiting from kind of a, a value shift here recently, aren't they? We've seen that, yeah. So this is from the Capital Group, and um, Steve, international equities, I mean, they've really lagged the U.S. Um, you know, for, for a decade, and, and we saw the previous decade, um, 2000, 2009, international significantly outperformed the U.S., so they go in cycles. Um, and uh, but we've seen a, a, a turn of the corner for international starting back in November. It's really when the news broke um, of the vaccine and uh, a lot of cyclical value-oriented stocks really caught the attention of investors. And they had a phenomenal run both in the U.S. and the international for that matter. So you know, given the value bent of a lot of the international indexes, 
in a rapid global economic recovery, you know, the outlook for stocks in, in Europe and Japan and emerging markets look better than it has in, in many years. And so obviously, you know, November to May is a short time period. And uh, we're certainly not trying to predict what the markets are going to do. But the trends are encouraging um, so far what we've seen the last six months. And so we're kind of at an interesting juncture, you know, starting back in November for the first time in years, value oriented sectors really have outperformed and in some cases significantly. So energy, financials, industrials, they've all rallied. And uh, that bodes well for the international markets where many of those companies are domiciled. So, you know, having, making sure you're diversified is is important because these, no one can predict these things. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, as we continue to recover from the pandemic, um, it's important though to remember that, you know, as good as it it is going, um, there's certainly no certainty. Um, so we don't know exactly how everything will play out over time. Um, but you know, if we're, we, we've started this powerful kind of cyclical recovery, um, and that's exactly what it looks like, then, um, you know, the cyclical stocks by definition, you know, should appear attractive in this environment and should do well. And that's kind of what we're seeing, you yes. know, or these, these energy stocks and financials and things like that. That's right. So November the 9th is known as, uh, 2020 was known as vaccine day. It's when, you know, the, the good news about the, the vaccine, uh, you know, recovery and, and how it's going to be uh, implemented kind of came out in energy stocks, really oil and gas companies really rebounded very strongly from the depths of the pandemic. And so oil prices soared as investors, you know, anticipated a rapid increase in demand um, amid a global economic uh, reawakening. So, you know, these some of these shares are, have gained significant amounts. Uh, European banks also have proven to be a bright spot after years of poor uh, performance and uh, negative interest rates. Um, European banks really have shined in, in 2021. They're up almost 30 percent year to date. So, you know, Europe is wow. a is a target rich environment. Um, the valuations are generally lower than the U.S., and, um, you know, there's some really good companies from an international standpoint. So when you start looking at valuations of companies, um, you know, that old adage, buy low, sell high. I mean, right. you know, valuations matter. Yeah, absolutely. And another, another factor, though, that plays into the returns is the dividends. And so, you know, if you're keen on dividends, as most investors should be, international markets provide a, a much better opportunity there. You know, there are over 250 companies um, offering dividend yields north of 3% or higher um, internationally compared to only 87 here in the U.S. So, you know, more than three three times as many mm-hmm. companies outside the U.S. that are providing attractive <clears throat> dividends over 3%. Emerging Markets has a lot more than that. It has 365 companies that are paying more than 3%. So, you know, dividends are a big factor, and when they get when it gets to where dividends are significant like that, then that's a that's a key indicator for the future performance. Yeah, so we see international, you know, cyclical sectors, materials, financials, energy. Um, they have a, a very large rep, uh, representation in the world index. Uh, U.S. is is kind of more growth oriented. There's obviously still value in the U.S. as well. Um, but uh, you know, in, indeed, the cyclical rally could continue for a considerable period of time as the global economy is still very early in the uh, stages of recovery. And we've seen the reopening trends in the U.S. and China, and they're likely to appear in the other markets 
in the months ahead. So uh, there's obviously concerns about India and some of the emerging markets. Um, but even in those areas, there's there's signs of improvement and uh, vaccination rates are, are gradually moving up. And and uh, so the reopening trends will closely, you know, probably trace the events that we've seen elsewhere. So you know, that should happen even in the face. You know, we hear that inflation word a lot now, rising interest rates. Uh, which have spooked investors a little bit in the first half of 2021, but it's still been a, a really good year from a market standpoint, really driven by earnings. Yeah, that's right. And they point out here, John, you know, that if we see modestly higher inflation, but not runaway inflation, and we have increasing global economic growth, which we're certainly having net today, then companies with lower valuations should do better under those conditions. And we've seen that framework since November. Um and, you know, they think it should continue as long as interest rates in the U.S. don't rise too much. So for emerging markets, I mean, that's essentially, that's essentially an ideal scenario. And, and that's kind of the, what we've been seeing so far in the last six months is yep. really, you know, internationals and emerging markets have really taken off. Yeah, and this article goes on to talk about the semiconductor industry being like the, the next oil. And, um, you know, there, there's uh, the, some of the chip makers and suppliers uh, have essentially gained a monopoly over some of the uh, key aspects of their business. Um, so, you know, the, the world's come to appreciate the semiconductor companies uh, for a lot of different reasons. But, Steve, I mean, the, the reality is, you know, people get so focused on the U.S. that they ignore the international. And not all the best stocks are in the U.S. There's a lot of good ones and great ones, for that matter. Sure. But there's a lot of good ones outside the, the borders. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, people tend to focus on the U.S. and think of the U.S. when they think of great companies, great stocks. Um, but the truth is, you know, the highest returning stocks, the majority of them are outside the U.S. Um, when you look at, you know, the last last 10 years of highest returning stocks, um, there are actually in the top 50. The majority of those are outside the U.S. So the U.S. doesn't have the majority of the highest returning stocks. But, you know, having said that, the U.S. has done really well as a group, mm -hmm. as a as a, you know, all together. Um, over the last 10 years. And so people are kind of focused on the U.S. But you need to think outside the U.S. if you really want to have a piece of, you know, the hottest markets, best performing stocks yeah. um, across the globe. Yeah, that's that's the power of diversification is if the U.S. goes through a period of, of underperformance and you have international in the portfolio, it can pick up the weight. And that's what we've seen it historically do. And uh, again, we're not trying to predict the markets here, but that's just that's history. And uh, that's what we see. So make sure you're diversified. You know, we, we use eight to 10 asset classes. Um, no one knows what the next hot sector is going to be. No one was calling for value to do what it's doing. And it's it's done phenomenal. It's significantly outpaced growth stocks um, over the last six months um, right. by a wide margin. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because patience is finally paying off. Yeah, so that's you right. Had, you had that's to have right. some patience if you're a value investor. That's right. Here the past five years. So. So good to hear. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question is uh, about the investing style. Should I go more conservative if I'm getting older, um, but not able to spend this money? Um, should I invest with my heirs in mind? And I, yeah, you should not go more, generally should not go more conservative. If you're not using the money, uh, we see situations that money is sitting there and, um, you know, there's more than the individual will ever be able to spend. Right, um, right. And you're, you're really start to investing for the, for the heirs. And so uh, an 85-year-old right. can be 50 or 60% in stocks and it not be, quote, too risky. It uh, depends on the individual, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, I th in some cases, looking out to the heirs and investing a portion of your, your assets for them because 
the likelihood of you not spending it is high, then that makes sense. Yeah, I think it depends on what the money's for, like you said, you know, and if you're not spending it and, um, you know, if the if all that money is for your heirs and for the future, then, yeah, you can think of it as having a very long time horizon um, and you can weather, you know, a downturn in the market. But if some of that money, you know, is for your emergency long term care or something, if something happens later in your life, then, um, you know, perhaps that part of the money should be a lot more conservative. But. Uh, but yeah, it's nothing wrong with being in stocks if you if you if you have a really long time horizon, mm-hmm. you know if that's your purpose for the money. So that's a good question, though, real good question. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is preparing for an emergency handoff. Um, and this is based on an article from Bottom Line, uh, very recently, John. But you know, you have to ask yourself. I mean, could somebody step in and successfully manage your financial affairs if you were unable to do so yourself? Um, of course, you can execute a, a financial power of attorney, um, designating somebody as kind of your financial agent to act on your behalf in financial matters if you're incapacitated. Um, but, you know, just drafting that document with an attorney, which is often a good idea, it doesn't guarantee that your spouse, your sibling, your friend or your advisor, whoever it is, will be able to, to do it, that, that they'll know what to do, that they'll understand your situation and that they won't miss some major issues. Um, so the issue isn't so much whether he or she lacks the financial savvy to do it. it it's figuring out um, somebody else's finances on the fly. That can be a massive challenge for anybody. Um, and so, you know, I mean, people's lives are often complicated, and the need for some preparation to adequately hand it off is important because um, it is that, that need is there. Um so after having, you know, gone through the pandemic, having a financial plan in place for, you know, health emergencies is essentially is especially on people's mind today, um, realizing that anything can happen at any time. Right. So so here are some steps that we can take to prepare yourself now for that unexpected emergency handoff. Yeah, the first thing is just simplify in advance. I mean, consolidate credit cards and, and bank accounts. Um you know, missed credit card payments and other bills are among the most common missteps when someone takes over your finances. And the more cards you have, uh, the more complex it's going to be, the greater odds that there's going to be a problem. So maybe just cut back to only two if possible. And if you have multiple checking or savings accounts, maybe uh, consolidate to one, um, preferably at the same bank. So the more accounts mean higher odds of overdrafts and or simply losing track of the funds. So you know, especially troublesome are accounts that have automated withdrawals or payments, uh, which are easily overdrawn if no one's paying close attention. So, you know, also if there's a lot of CDs and savings accounts, money market accounts at different institutions, some can be easily overlooked. So, I mean, we see that a lot. People coming into us new and they have it spread all over the place. And, you know, one of the advantages is you have it in one place. It's just easier to manage. Gets it simpler. Yeah. So you definitely want to simplify. That's a good point. And you know, along with that, you want to you want to stick to paper statements if possible. Um, and I know you know we're in the world of going paperless and and you know not killing trees and not receiving all this stuff in the mail, and and that's fine for you to access your accounts online, of course, you know. But it's easy for someone else to overlook or or be shut out of your online accounts if that's all you have. Um, which is, you know, it can be very difficult to fix, you know, if they're inheriting that issue from somebody. So, you know, bills and statements that arrive in the mail provide a, a great fail-safe, you know, and that's, 
that's true. Even if your financial, you know, agent that you appoint doesn't live near you, um, you know, your mail can be forwarded to that person by the post office or a trusted neighbor. So, yeah, I mean, consider that, you know, particularly for, you know, elderly parents and stuff that you want to still have paper statements coming because that, that's going to make things a lot easier to track down. Um, and then, but, you know, along with simplifying, draft a roadmap. Um, you want to cr- create a concise guide to your finances. And having all your information um, in one place is going to save your, your designated agent a lot of time, greatly reduce the odds that something will be missed. So create a financial inventory of all your accounts. And we talked about that from time to time, an asset inventory. Um, and this just goes a little bit further and includes financial accounts like, you know, credit cards and bills and, and all the accounts that you have. And then so write this list down, type it, print it, whatever it takes. But, but you know, but but don't just save it on a computer or send it an email um, because that, you know, it obviously is sensitive information. You want to make sure you have that, you know, a, a hard copy of that that somebody can locate as well but um so yeah so here are some of the details to include on that list yeah you want to make sure that you have your income sources pensions social security um you know you can have uh, investment checks coming in direct deposit into bank accounts Um, but if you have income that arrives by check uh, explain where it comes from when it should arrive and what to do if it doesn't arrive Uh, as an example if you have a rental property your tenants or property management company they may send you a paper check each month but just document all the income sources. You know it. You see it every month, and it's easy for you to just write it down. Yeah, exactly. And then also, you want to include recurring payments. Um, you know, mortgages, rent, utilities, taxes, estimated income taxes, and property taxes, insurance premiums. You know, payments made to you know personnel or household assistance type providers, or any other bills that recur on a regular basis. You know, so search your checking account, your credit card transaction histories, your statements, and make sure you haven't missed any of those things. And for each of these listings, you know, provide your account number, your password, your PIN, um, and the company's contact phone number or website, you know, as well as kind of a description of how it gets paid. Um, you know, indicate whether you write a check for that or you have something, some kind of automatic payment set up. Um, so you want to make sure you include those recurring payments. And any payments made annually or semi-annually deserve really special attention because, you know, the less often a recurring payment is made, the greater the odds that your your agent or somebody's going to overlook it when they're reviewing your finances. This is really common with long-term care insurance policies, homeowner, auto, you know, policies, property taxes. Um, you know, highlight the dates these are due, add a warning, you know, that this payment or this date is important. Um, yeah, I mean, they give a couple examples here, but one of them was a woman, you know, who was in a rehab facility, you know, just for a number of weeks, but her long-term care insurance bill arrived and the deadline passed before her loved ones realized it. And unfortunately, the insurer refused to reinstate the policy, you know, because it's obviously in their best interest to allow a policy to lapse once somebody becomes ill. So, you got to be prepared for that and be careful not to, to, you know, to be able to hand that off and be able to have something that, um, that somebody can see very quickly that there's a bill coming up. Um, and many insurers, they'll allow you to name a trusted third party. So that would be something that's helpful um, to name maybe a friend or a family member to be notified if a policy is behind in payments. So 
um, take advantage of that if it's available in, in any of your financial institutions. Yeah, another thing you're going to want to document is your, your bank investment and credit card accounts, uh, the institution's name, the, the contact phone number, account number, passwords, pins, and actually out on our website, moneymd.net, we have one of these forms that you can go and and print off and uh, and use. It's very uh, very simple but very powerful. And also the financial professionals you work with, maybe your your CPA, your state planning attorney, your financial planner. Um, you know, provide the phone numbers, email addresses. Um, you know, these these pros might be able to help you uh, answer some questions about the finances, though likely it's going to be uh, you know associated with their specialty. So in, in addition to keeping this list with your plan. You know, give it to your loved ones uh, so if all else fails, they can they can piece together your financial activity. But we like to just tell people to put it in, in a safe or safe deposit box and right. communicate it to your spouse or even kids as well. Uh, it's kind of a roadmap, and that's important. That's exactly right. And the last thing you want to incorporate in that in that uh, list is your per own personal information. Um, you know, they're going to need your full name, your mailing address, you know, email address, phone numbers, of course, date of birth. Social Security number, even your mother's maiden name. And, I mean, if you were widowed within the last five years, um, you, you really need to include your spouse's personal information, too. Um, you know, a photocopy of your driver's license, your health, insurance, Medicare, card, um, you know, all of those you need to attach to this to this financial, you know, inventory list, if you will. Um, and then provide some further guidance uh, to your trusted agent as well. Um you know, confirm that your financial guide is is understood and, and properly stored, that you know where it's at. Um, you know, when you hand your, your guide to your financial agent, ask him or her to read it in your presence, maybe, um, so they can ask any questions about it if it's not clear, or at least look over it. Um, ask them to store it, you know, where where they store their other important documents. Um, you know, storing it anywhere else kind of increases the odds it'll be lost. So, um, so they want to put it in a very obvious place that they'll find it and then uh, review you know the guide annually um, together and make make updates to it um, it's a good way to confirm that they remember that you know that that you know that their guide is there and where mm -hmm. it's stored yep. as well yeah another one is uh, maybe offer guidance on on paying big bills so if someone actually is is uh, taking over your finances there there may have been a medical emergency and some some health care related bills that are pretty sizable. So, you know, it depends on who's going to be your financial agent. Um, you know, you may want to write down um, or verbally discuss it with them about where to pull that money from. Maybe it's a certain bank account. Maybe you have investments that would make more sense. Uh, maybe you have a, a um, HSA account. So you got to kind of give some, some guidance. Again, it depends on who's going to be coming in behind you and their, their level of uh, knowledge and sophistication and finances, because this stuff is complicated. That's exactly right. And that kind of brings us to our last item here, and that is required minimum distributions, RMDs, at age 72. Um, you know, you need to explain that to your financial agent, um, you know, particularly if they're younger and they're not familiar with it, because, you know, tax penalties apply if you don't have sufficient withdrawals that are made from retirement accounts each year. And unfortunately, um, RMDs often are overlooked when people take over an older relative's finances because many pre-retirements and uh, pre-retirees have never really heard of RMDs. They're not aware of it. Um, so you know, if you have to take RMDs or you will have to take it in the you know coming you know years in the near future, make sure your loved ones are aware of that. Provide the details of how much has to be withdrawn from the accounts and um, to where it's going and. 
um, you know, what to do with the money once it's withdrawn. And then, um, you know, just set it up um, automatically if you can. You know, even before age 72, some institutions allow you to set it up ahead of time. So have that set up so it's automatic every single year. So, you know, they're not in the dark and it's not something that's so easily overlooked. Yeah, that's that's an easy one. Yeah. If you don't do the RMD, it's a 50 percent penalty on the amount that you were supposed to take. So it can Absolutely. Be, pretty, be pretty significant. So you want to yeah. make sure you have that one covered for sure. Yeah, that's very, very important. So anyway, so that's preparing for an emergency handoff. Very, very important topic. Want to make sure you you have that taken care of and, you know, or, or for your parents or, yeah. you know, elderly folks in your your family um just make sure that you know they're prepared for that as well yeah just stay safe in the golf cart yeah don't fall out (laughs) don't fall out that's for sure (laughs) yeah when you fall out might be time to stop playing golf (laughs) this is true right all right there you go all right this leads us up to our final thing and that is the prescription of the week yeah make sure you're not paying too much for medicare coverage so medicare starts at 65 uh, we have folks retiring all the time, and they're, they kind of go into this new world. Um, the Medicare premium is a good article in uh, Bottom Line, Inc. Um, that you can go check out. But the Medicare premium is based on your income. So we see a lot of times people, you know, have big incomes, and they go down to smaller incomes. So you need to make sure that your Medicare premium is correct. And then there's also supplements as well right. that most people get to give you some additional coverage because Medicare doesn't cover everything. So you know, there's some local resources in this area that, that we have um, referred to over the years that uh, that are good and they, they live in this world. So if you need a referral, let us know. But this is a big area that you want to make sure you understand. Yeah, and premiums do go up like any insurance for so for Medicare supplements. Um, you'll want to reprice that occasionally, you know, every, every few years. Um, so just make sure, you know, you're not overpaying for your Medicare supplement. And there's a lot of different options, too. There's like you know, A through J in terms of, of the type of coverages you can get for mm-hmm. Medicare supplements. Um, so just make sure you have the right coverage that meets your needs. Um, so it's a good idea just to review it every couple of years and make sure you're not you're not paying too much for it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the Medicare premiums, you know, if you have any, a high income year, they can get bumped up and they may not automatically reset. So you need to pay attention to that. Make sure your premium goes back down the following year. Yep. Um, if you had a year where you sold a piece of property or something and had a high income year and got kicked into a higher Medicare premium bracket. Yep. So important issue. So good prescription of the week. All right. That brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVistor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.